0: You are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average nine to five or a job or business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in where you will find your role models and learn from their dream struggle victory stories. This is your host, Asan Ali, a longtime IT professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack the stories, strategies, and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats to help you and i reach our full potential i'm very excited to talk to this week's guest shalendra kumar is a senior it executive with highly valuable contributions both in india as well as in australia in data analytics space he generously shares his knowledge on various media he has his own youtube channel as well on which he talks about emerging and intelligent technologies he is currently vice president and chief evangelist at sap Like many IT professionals from subcontinent India, he also started as a programmer. I want to learn from him about the turning points that helped him grow his career. I want to know about the people who influenced his decisions and shaped up his personality. I'm sure he would have had uh, challenges along the way. I would like to know how he overcame those challenges. So without further ado, let's hear Shalendra's story directly from him. Welcome, Shalendra. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, Thanks for coming, Shalendra. I really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, very excited about uh, uncovering your story today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Shalendra, this podcast is all about uh, empowering and inspiring Indian expats. And I cover the stories of people who have either transitioned from corporate to entrepreneurship, Or people who have done differently in corporate world itself, breaking that mental ceiling of, oh, you go abroad, so you cannot go beyond certain level in your career. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I have seen you doing is uh, really impressive. And uh, especially last four, five, six years of journey that I've watched primarily on LinkedIn, you're all over the place, you're a top 50 tech influencer, you wrote a book, You are a tech evangelist, which I'll ask you about those things, what it means. So if you could give me a quick brief of what you do today, and then I would like to go back to your education and build that whole story of. So today, if you
1: look at it, I'm on a mission to educate people on what is AI, because there's a lot of uh, fluff going around there on what is AI. And um, what I've seen is that the most of people who talk about it have not done anything about it ever. They just talk about and they just grab something from one place and then copy-paste and um, and have become what people call influencers. And I don't like that term influencer because what does that mean, to be honest? Then the question is that if you're influencing someone, you must have some credibility to influence, right? You just can't influence. But what I've seen is that what people are doing is copying and pasting things and calling themselves influencers. and. and is that
0: so I think one of the one of the influencer definition which uh, may not be the right thing is how many connections you have on social media so if you have a high number of connection you become an influence now I'm saying that's the way people have been looking at it but which I definitely do not agree yeah so
1: in my view it is it is spreading awareness and telling people on what AI machine learning is all about and because I've delivered such projects it becomes much more easier for me to talk to people in whatever you call it, influencing or whatever it is. That's what I do. But having said that, to the, to that point of influencer, I, I've i seen people talking about stuff and they haven't delivered a penny. Now here I am who has delivered around about $6 billion using that. I was, I was having a conversation with one of this, and this is funny, one of this large organization which actually identifies who are the top 10 influencers, the top 15 influencers in the world and so forth. Um, And so I wrote a big message to them on LinkedIn and asked them, so you are calling these guys influencers. Can you tell me in my point of view, influencers are people who first of all have got credibility in the industry. Yeah. have done something. Second, They advise in the large corporates and senior level leaders so that they can make some changes. And third, they have got those kind of uh, conversations, the audience to do influencing. Uh, It's not about writing a tweet and retweeting it, and that's not influencing in my point of view. Yeah. So when you've given those lists of 100, top 100 people, can you tell me out of those 100, how many have delivered how much money? get mm. any credibility, because that's how mm. you create credibility, right? True, true. When you create credibility, is by delivering value. So that conversation went nowhere because they had no idea. Then they figured out that the way they were finding out who's an influencer is by looking at how many times have they tweeted something about the subject. Right. Now, interestingly, I figured all out one more thing, that they were also finding out the best to do that was to find out how many hashtags have they put in. So I looked, I said, well, okay, fine, sit down. Let's open a Twitter. We opened Twitter and we figured out one of the guys who was on the list. And we looked at it, what have they said about artificial intelligence? And they'd written something about DevOps and hashtag artificial intelligence. And I said, that's not artificial intelligence, by the way. And uh, so how do you consider them an uh, influencer? A lot of conversations happened and nothing happened. So I was like, so that's about influencers. But but what I do is I talk to people about uh, what is the art of possibility, how that can benefit them, how can that benefit their organization, i.e. technology, which is AI, emerging technology, which is AI, machine learning, IoT, blockchain, big data, NLP, and how that is making a difference to their, how is making a difference and how it can make difference as we go forward. Right.
0: That's what I do for the right no, really appreciate that what you just shared. And uh, as I said influencer looks like it has become how much you are there present on social media. If it's high you become influencer which is probably not the right way but anyway so what I want to talk a little bit about Shalendra is most people who come from uh, Indian subcontinent background to any other country, there is a ceiling beyond which they think it's not really possible to grow, okay? And uh, what I want to get out of your story is you have taken a steps to stretch yourself. Number of uh, points I've seen, like I... When I went through your profile, I saw you did uh, B.Sc. chemistry and then computer engineering. And then started in IT and went to Belgium and UK and did a little bit of work there. Then we were in India, then came to Australia. These are all stretches which a lot of Indians have done. I have done those stretches. Now, when you came here, within uh, five years or so, you... Became MD in Accenture, and then working as MD in Accenture for a few years. You became tech evangelist, and then you wrote a book, and then you became top ten to twenty fifty tech influencer. So I see there are there are turning points, and you have taken steps, which is quite a stretch. And I was quite excited about knowing those uh, turning points because that could give a perspective to people who feel like, oh, I'm like ten years, I'm doing the same thing, I'm stuck, but I don't know what to do. So why didn't you start with your chemistry to computer science engineering story and then we'll keep moving forward from there. First
1: of all, I would disagree with um, you on the fact that uh, you've got a ceiling to where you can reach. I, I, I don't agree with that because there is no ceiling. That's
0: the no. myth we want to demystify. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: so, <laughs> it. Okay. so let, let's go back to college, right? In fact, I should go back to school. I, I come from Delhi Public School, R.K. which is one of the best yep, well known. Yep. Couldn't get better. Uh, and I had... No, I can take no credit out for that because my parents put me in that school, no one else did. And it was sheer luck or possibly my presence of mind to be at the right place at the right time to get that particular school. When I, and, and I will go to year 10 and 12 in India, boards are very important. Year 10 yeah. board is important in 12. And I was in a class of, you know, in our days it was PCB and M, which is physics, chemistry, maths, biology. Yes, and I know. That's what was evaluated on. Yes. Yeah. So I was in a in a section in DPS which was a section H which had both maths and biology and yeah. the reason for that was that doctor banjayenge doctor nahi banaye to engineer banjayenge. Because yeah. <laughs> there was <laughs> no, no, only only two options anyway yes there, there was no other thing in mind just that ke ye nahi to waise right so doonu kar lete yeah. and in fact I took Hindi as well as one of the subjects ke agar English mein nahi aaye to Hindi mein aaye <laughs> so, like PCB E H <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> not like that So that's how I got into. But anyways, my class, I'm very very not very proud of this, but in my class of 48 students, there were two students who didn't do well. Rest 46 of those went to either Ames, IIT, or Delhi College in the first instance. This is DPS for you, right? So you get the best, you had the cream of the country in that school, and you always get that. And there were two students who didn't do anything. Who got really bad score in 10th in 12th and one was me and one was another friend of mine <laughs> Good and I, I got I got 62% which was <laughs> just borderline to get allowed you to uh, appear for entrances sense. Okay. Six, 60% was the what you wanted I and 62 yeah. was what I got so I was like okay safe, you can at least give me an entrance entrance diya to we did all entrances medicine ke le dia or engineering ke le dia, you, both of them why you do both of them? Because <laughs> And landed up nowhere. Dad was very upset when I got 62%. And I remember there was a lot of human crime that day when the result came out. My dad said I thought that he would do something, but he didn't do anything. Th- that was bad. And then, when college So, in, in, in Delhi, if you come from Delhi, you would know Deshbendu College is a college where no one wants to go. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> and, and my dad said that if go to College. That's what happened. So I got nowhere, but to the the college. So got industrial chemistry. And actually, because you're looking at it in Linden, uh, LinkedIn does not have that subject, so I couldn't mention oh, okay. Field. so I got to industrial chemistry, not even chemistry. So <laughs> industrial chemistry is where you make glasses, you make cement. They explain to you how to do all of that. Diamond mm. cutting and all that stuff, right? So interesting, okay. Very different stuff. But at the same time, We've, and I said, well, fine. First year, we'll and then we will do some preparation for engineering. Engineering, yes. Second year, I'll apply. So, I was studying exam ki preparation for You will do engineering preparation and you will do your exams as well because you're now BSc student.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: What is not on LinkedIn and I'll share that as well yeah. was the fact that one night I was preparing for my engineering exam. Indian Express had one section of newspaper which was called Young India. Okay. And that would bring in things like, what is the youth of India doing? Mm. So, one day, I newspaper for It was like after we were preparing for our engineering stuff and looked at that newspaper. And it said, there is something called a DJ. You mean the music DJ? Music DJ. Okay. And I was, a I am a big music buff. But music buff? And I didn't understand Okay. <laughs> So, uh, we had a lot of discussions on this. But coming from the best school in India, which was an English medium school, I was very fond of Kishore Kumar and Mohammed Rafi and that kind of stuff. So, I DJ was So, I was reading this newspaper and I had a friend of mine sitting next to me and he was appearing for the medicine exam and I was appearing for my engineering. So, he what is the DJ, kya hai bhai? Mm. So, he said, <laughs> Uh, he said, no, this is how to sing in discotheque. I said, okay, fine. We're in discotheque, we're in hotel. I said, dude, this is a very big thing. I can play music as well. And my dad was a hotelier. Hmm. There's a connection. So I went off next morning with Nakbaar Lekin Inche Otra. I told my dad that I want to be a DJ. So he said, what is that? <laughs> this is some news to me. So hmm. I said, daddy, this is a news. I know that he's a DJ. Yeah, young, young India is doing this. Yeah, so let me become a DJ. So he said, but where are they, brother? in discotheque, and in hotels. Mein. In those days, there was one at Hayat, which was called Oasis. There yeah. was one at Maurice Sheraton, which was called Gunguru's, There was one at uh, Hotel Park, which was called CJ's. So there were three at least, which I can remember even now. But my dad was in ITDC, and these were private hotels. Mm. So I... Yeah. There was no connection, right? so I a So we figured out that the owner of Hayat was a good friend of one of my dad's friends. Dad said him not I to be a DJ. These are the bad guys, and we'll figure it out. So they figured out, and then I think Sanjeev Gupta was the uh, MD of Hayat. Mm-hmm. So they sent I'm going to go to Ghana. There was a guy called DJ Rami, he used to play at Aces, and I went under his chair to become a DJ. So I started playing music. And in India, I was going to charge a pint teen or four to so, hmm. so, one of the best discotheques in the country, I didn't know I landed up there. And I, was, I used to play music. So, at night, I was the college was
2: admissions
1: the engineering college. college. Now <laughs> to exam, to the I get, DJing too. Ja so to 4 night, you are going to bed at 9 o'clock at night, college, Like, all things happening at the same time. So exam, engineering ho ya, to engineering ka exam, the College of Computer Sciences in Delhi was opening up. I gave my exam there and I got through. I got through there and kuch to padhega, to ho Right. So Dad said, I उठाता है, गाना बजाता है, I गाना so now you to stop this, mm. B.Sc I did uh, double graduation so I finished my BSc first which finished in 95 and 96 engineering finished
0: so that is how I landed up doing engineering and did you have any specific interest in computers or you thought everybody is going towards computer it's a new field so I should get what was the rational? Mind interesting thing? story I
1: <laughs> <Man laughs> dumb Wo, uh, mere ek tha. he was doing something at Pradeshni in those days Pradeshni was doing some okay. diploma courses to so I So I asked him computer. processing I uh, answers which is very good now because GPT-3 can actually do that. Exactly what I thought that time. See, stories and then answers, can computer do that? बत ना, 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 ना। can computer not read the book and tell me what the answer is? You're you're thinking ahead of yourself. No, not sure like that. What you have to do is it's like mathematical computation and stuff. I still I didn't know what it was.
0: Right. Good to know that. See, all of these things what you shared so far, Shalinda, it's really good uh, to know. Uh, a lot of people think, Oh, he was so good in computers and hence he got this privilege, and hence. She oh, had okay. that that. Uh, I, that know, pre- I I I went to uh, say that uh,
1: my life is an accident.
0: I want to connect the dots. Uh, you know, you know that, and I. I hope I know that uh, it's not accidental. There are things that we do, and it shapes up our next stage, and next stage, and next stage, and no, d- decisions. No, no, no. So let's see how how it goes. So you did no, your no, computer did. engineering. It,
1: it was accidental that I read that newspaper that night, and and I said, ah, i I became a DJ. But okay. but all of that was actually contributing to what I do today. Actually,
0: that's what I meant. The Steve Jobs statement of we can connect the dot only backward, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. So some. Sometimes the environment that we have been brought up in, you too, Shalendra, where educational and professional competency is, all, is what we are measured by in our society. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do well in your 12th, you are seen as a failure. And if you don't do well in your career, you are seen as failure. If you don't have a good job, you don't even get proper bride. Those were the the, the conversations when we were growing up. So I want, to, I want to break that myth is no, that's not true. You can start anywhere and you can end up anywhere. So so
1: by now, by my engineering finished, i had done four professions. I was like professionally qualified for four things.
0: Seriously, DJ is the one. What are the other three?
1: DJing, I was a computer engineer. I was an industrial chemistry. Chemist, yeah. (laughs) Industrial chemistry qualified. I could have gone into... uh, So they, they also taught us how to make a bomb. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the tuition. Because so you what can... you learn is, no, no, to understand how you can dismantle a bomb, you need to know how it is made, right? All
0: right, yes. Okay. So,
1: so that was all part of the game. Glass, diamond, um, you know, all, all of those things. And the fourth was that when I was in my college, I was teaching students as well. So I was ninth, uh, 10th class. Pocket money there, Pocket money to aise in the Ninth, 10th class. So there was another profession in the making that I could become a teacher. Mm. So there were um, four professions going at then I was I was just come out of
0: college, right. And a, a lot of those things that you do today, there is a connection out there.
1: Of course. So, so, so that happened, and so engineering finished. Uh, engineering finished. So the um, uh, a little bit of So what So the most exciting work was to be a, to remain a DJ. Right. Because that's see, remaining a DJ. I was, if I'm not wrong, I was the highest paid DJ in the country at the time. Seriously? Yeah, one of the highest, not say highest. These patches are familiar at those time pe. I'm talking about 90, uh, 96, 97, 95, 96, which was a lot of money at the time.
0: And you were playing only Hindi songs? No,
1: no, no. I was talking about the I The other thing was that I got exposure to a lot of uh, superstars at the time. Because uh, because so it's the that you will find these Salman Khan, you know, not Shahrukh Khan, I didn't meet, but Salman Khan and A- Amir Khan, A- and A- all A- the others. You would find someone or the other at the club at one point in time. So, right. Because they were like celebrities. So that was one thing that came to mind that that's the best thing to do. Hmm. Okay. A problem when I was finishing my engineering, uh, six months, last six months was a, a training that I had to do. With like any engineering college, right? So you need to do a training project. I I I was I was I he said no. Said, or, computer So said, <laughs> he was at, and, and this is also, I can say sheer luck. He was ITDC, part of ITDC, and Hotel Samrat in Delhi was having corporate offices. Or... SR cell phone had its corporate office in Hotel Sabrat. I see. So, Papa told someone, someone told someone, a trainee. Don't give me any training. a Papa, <laughs> it's not about the money, it's about, you've got to do this. So I went in and I remember i in an interview. So me, the HR guy asked me, why do you want to do this internship? I said, uh, answer? What do you don't have any no answer. I didn't want to do it because Papa it. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned around and said, mobile phones are the, because Usi that mobile phones launch launched. 1995 was the launch of mobile phones in India. Right. So I said, mobile phones are the next big thing. So I want to do going to come up this is the new thing and I want to do this. Hmm. He said His answer was, now he had to do I said, do But he had no option because he had been told that he to intern ratna. Right. So usne intern. the intern? Ka ka kaam kya tha? faxes? collect and email type karna, because in those days you didn't have computers for everyone. Right. So your boss will write an email and you will go and type it, take a printout and show him. Then you have to go and set it. So that was your job. So you were a true intern. Today's intern is very intelligent. You like You you like a true intern. And that was the job. <laughs> hmm. Abo, internship Accidental bullet <quá good>. <quantities> <polux> yeah, you know, um, uh, because what you're doing is you're making tea, you're making coffee, right? You're writing emails. So I was very upset, come, you know, <laughs> DJ, DJ, DJ was much better, you know, I was, yeah. I was my own. <quinaggar raho hai> so one of my ex bosses, not a boss, but one of a colleague. is a very good mate. Even today, he's a very good mate of mine. who's like, and I asked him, Sandeep, this is what's What's So he said, you are the most important person. Look at this perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he gave me a different perspective. He said, you are the most important person in the organization. I said, why?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He said, because you insights. Pata hai. Mm-hmm infractions mm. what you
2: are
1: getting is no one is getting that I'm, I'm, I'm now suddenly i am the most important person <laughs> <laughs> who's an intern mm. so what that was a turning point so i started thinking to right. Uh, Luckily for me, there was a company called MSI in the UK. So SR Cellphone had bought some product from them, some software from them, and which was going to be the operational stuff, right? To put up, uh, I was part of the radio frequency team. So radio frequency team had to get those, all those software alignment to understand where you're getting network, where you're not getting network, and so forth. So MSI asked the entire team to come for a training for three weeks in the UK. So the entire team of the Radio Frequency team got a chance to go to the UK.
0: You for You also got it.
1: No, no, wait, wait. <laughs> three weeks. And what happens is when you go overseas, you take one week off. So most of the team was four weeks off. So four weeks. Everyone's ticket was booked. But you are an to You're not going anywhere. So, Sab chale hai, hai. No, ticket book ho gaya. everyone was going, everyone's visa was organized So that guy who actually told me you are the most important person in the organization honestly I respect that guy and today Main usko uh, mere hai So he went by himself to his boss and said because he had actually applied for a job in the US and he had got it and he was waiting for the visa. everyone knew that he will be going in next one or two months. So he went to his boss and he said, there is no point me going on this training. It's not right because I'm going to leave the company. Though I haven't put in the resignation, but I know that I'll be joining that job. You know that I'll be joining that job. And so it doesn't look nice that I do the training. To manage, I'm not going. So there were two people left in the organization who didn't go. rest everyone went. Me and Sandi Bhutta. Now you see the difference. Then turns around and says, "Uh, next morning, I reached office at 11 o'clock. Now, there's no one who says, So, 11 o'clock I reached office and he also reached office around about 11 o'clock. And because everyone was gone, we had two cars in our department with the driver. So, we had the lunch and then he said, I reached at 11 well 1, one or 2 o'clock, had the lunch and then we came up. He said, Shelly, what do you think? What should we do? What do you want me to do? I'm the junior-most person in the organization. What do you want me to do? He said, there are two things we can do. We can come at 11 and go back at 3. There's no one in the organization. No one is going to question. I'm going to leave anyways. And you're going to, you're an intern. What So 11 to 3, we can work. You can take one car. I'll take one car. So the car will come. will car That's the first thing we can do. The second thing is, that we have network Wow. There's no one to question, right? Mm. you can actually do wonders. There's no bureaucracy, nothing. All you need to do is just look, take mobile phone, take the equipment, run from one end of Delhi to the other end of Delhi and just make sure, find out where there are call drops, mm. fix it. Mm. Which one do you want? So the easy one was 11 to 3, yeah. 11 to 3? No, no, are karte. So we started driver <laughs> um, equipment and just... We did the entire Delhi end-to-end. And whenever there was problem, we would go and fix it.
0: I love it, man. I love that it, right? whole thing. Yeah.
1: and then call center would get complaints call drop रहा रहा call We told the call center, if there is a call drop, please... Send us the details. We will go personally there and fix it. कोई कह रहा है वो मेरे घर के स्टोर के अंदर लाइट मतलब नेटवर्क नहीं आ रहा है कोई You went there. Okay. Went there. Store में जाके बैठे। उनकी चाय वो चाय पिला दे थे मतलब कॉफी पिला दे थे। मिस्किट खिलाए। मतलब किसी के घर आए
0: वापस। Thanks yeah. to our culture. <laughs> it, right?
1: No one listens anyways. So this is mm-hmm. a guy who's just coming from a cell phone to Big thing. fix, yeah, fix yeah. your network, right? Now the good thing was whether he fixed the network or not. You would
0: definitely no, get chai.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> the impression that we left on the customer was that someone from SR cell phone came and fixed it. And the customer experience was so good that they will pick up the phone and call next time. Mm. We call center and say, Yaru. Shalindra came and he did a great job. Mm. It was his name mm. But because but, we went physically,
0: yeah, the no, customer
1: experience was such that it mm-hmm. changed the and the life in entirety interesting very interesting four weeks okay, four weeks may call drop acha now that, now come back to the uh, numbers call drop rate, rate even today gsm has a call drop rate of industry standard of 2% the 2% is given out of 100 two calls can drop that's gsm industry standard we made it to 1.89 interesting we just changed it all so we we beat the two percent industry standard reports maybe it was like all over the place we were everyone's best friend Mm. because it was being covered in the news interesting what are they doing the ceo became a very good friend Mm. the cfo became a very good friend the ceo became a very everyone because everyone knew these two guys don't know what they do or customers we call the call center and say, Shelly, Sandy o, fix Fixed it. one, who knows, but fix mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. That became the best of uh, everything. Now four weeks gone.
2: Everybody's
1: gone. They're back. Now <laughs> we meeting one Sandy said, now what do you want to do? I said, sir, unko pata they will be after our lives. Um, she said, office <laughs> so next morning, it was 11 o'clock and the, our cars were gone detective we came to office and three days, four days, five days, call drop went up to 5%,
2: mm.
1: 6%. Customer care gets a call and they call me and I say, yeah, sir, no, 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 not do do
2: And
1: just changed altogether. Then. One of the directors, God bless his soul, he just died because of COVID um, just two months ago. Late Wing Commander, Ambar Sarkar. He invited us, invited me into the room and he
2: said,
1: What's How the day they came, we just handed over. It's up to them to handle. So they said, okay. So they called the a DGM. No, I um, manager, deputy manager, manager, senior manager, senior whatever, then DGM, then GM, then. So, this is the hierarchy, right? So, they invited the DGM into the room said, Well, then Commander's words, uh, Amr Sikha's words, we should send you back to the training. He said, Why? He said, Because when you were on training, the call drop ratio was 1.89. Now that you are back, it's gone to 5%. So, training have the training. That was a big thing. Big thing. But, I lost my job as well for that. Because politically, you're not a fit. Really? So, so I was fired. Um And <laughs> um the story company, I love that company because that was sweat blood in fired home. I closed the door for three or four days. I didn't open the door. My dad felt very bad. He went to see the CEO. CEO was a friend. So dad, I told my dad, I told to please, will <laughs> Dad took his Vespa and he went to see him and he said, the guy was Andreas Schelling. And he said, Andreas, what's going on? He said, I love the guy, but I can't have him. It's politically not possible. Mm. So I lost my job. So for doing all the good things, you lose your job. That was the reward you got. So I've done my fifth profession. The fifth profession was, I counted four plus one, this was the radio frequency engineer who would fix... Uh, call drops. Cold call drops. And... That too to the level that you beat the industry standard itself.
2: Hmm.
1: It was amazing. But hmm. now job? what? Do? do? What do? What do? So, but you know, because I had made so many friends at SR, though I was not an employee of SR, but still <laughs> They would call me, and I would go and sit down with SR. I had at the time uh, when I, this is 96. I am talking about mobile phones was 16 rupees per call outgoing. And 8 rupees was incoming.
0: Incoming, I remember that, yeah.
1: Remember? So in those days, I had 5 mobile phones which were free. Wow. <laughs> because I was check, testing the network, na. Now from billing to um, BTS to BSE, everyone was a friend. Because you'd call them, you'd fix stuff, right? One SIM was done, the other was done, the other was done, the other was done. They'd shut themselves, shut it down, shut it down, and then the other was done. It wouldn't happen to you for the so I had a phone running for me, free phone, a mobile free phone, till 2000. Wow. <laughs> and in fact, to the extent that if someone used to call on the landline, I used to tell them, mobile to call on the But call on the mobile phone? Mm-hmm. People were scared to call on the mobile phone because they thought incoming that's what's incoming.
0: Right, yeah, I know that. So, so Mist Call was invented in India. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, Mist Call was invented. So, yeah. I said, no, Mist Call, call happen. because mine yeah. is free.
0: Definitely. So, you did that, and when did you uh, get into an IT job from there? So, that's, so,
1: I didn't have a job. So, I was going to SR's, SR's office every day. So, there was a lady called um, Rohini uh, Mida. She's now Rohini uh, Kapoor, lives in Melbourne. She was the Asia-Pacific leader for SAS Institute. And they were looking to open an office in India. So they were out were looking for a guy who could help. So uh, one of my friends said that I know Roini and she's looking for someone. You may be a fit. So I will s- give me your CV and I'll send it to them. The Actually, by the way, that CV was sent back by the same guy two months ago to me on, on WhatsApp. He said I was clearing up my uh, <laughs> Uh, my office and I found the CV of yours which I sent to SAS wow. um, so he sent it back and I can kept it because I can't it's, it's like good memories yeah he told Roani that you should talk to this guy uh Ruinne called me and she said okay come let's have an interview so I gave her my mobile number and she was flying from Mumbai to Delhi she said i'll see you on monday i'll call you when i reach to when i reach delhi i'll give you a call monday will call me yeah Tuesday call I Tuesday phir, I called my friend, said, Well, what? Rohini didn't call. He said, No, no, no. Let me talk. Um, and Rohini didn't come yesterday, she was going to come today, she'll call you. Okay. So I what I did was I walked towards the SR office and I sat down in the SR office. Because you're very anxious, right? You don't have a job, what do you do, right? Mm-hmm. So she called. She called me, she said, it's three o'clock. I have a flight at 5 and I am in Panchil. So, can you come to Panchil in an hour? Right? So, I called one of my friends and said, Well, you going home? He used to live in Gurgaon. So, you're going home? So, can you drop me to Panchal? He said, Yeah, I'm going for an interview. My interview is in Gurgaon. So, what I will do is, but I have to come back as well. What I'll do is, I'll take you, you do your interview, then you come out, then we'll go to my interview. Then I'll come and drop you home as well. So we sat in the car and went there and asked for Rheni. And um, it was, I remember it was forty forty 40 uh, media company. So that was the media company that she had hired to promote SaaS. I
0: see.
1: So I went on there and I asked for Rheni. And Rennie they said, yeah, we've got Rheni. So she shook hands and she took me back inside a, um, a storeroom. Okay, what do you think we should be doing? And blah blah blah. Three, three questions, and I answered those. And she said, "Welcome to SaaS." <laughs> said okay, fine. is like de? I didn't know okay like that. Okay, but you have to come to Mumbai for a training we are organizing. So you have to get your training done, and then you'll. Back. I said, okay, fine.
0: What was the question, by the way, Shalini?
1: And the questions were simple. What do you think we should be doing to uh, promote SaaS in the region? Would you be able to? Do you know how to write code? Would you be able to write code to show people what we can do and stuff? Very simple stuff. Mm. No test, nothing. Training too, because no one knew what SAS was. No one had any idea anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, they had to train us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, then she did that, welcome to SAS, and she went off. Mm. I mean, this was the first, last week or first week of August. Mm-hmm. Thus August, oh yeah, no information, nothing. I said, yeah, what was that? was a very quick excitement that welcome to SaaS, and then you disappeared. <laughs> 13th August, I got a call saying that, you know what, we're starting the training on the 1st of September. You need to be there. We'll give you, we'll send the tickets and you'll fly. That was the first time I flew Jet Airways, mm. my first flight to, from Delhi to Mumbai mm. to learn SaaS. That was my entry into what is called analytics
0: today because in those days there was nothing called analytics. That was like 97, 98. I'm talking
1: 90, 97. Right. September 97.
0: So that was the foundation of your you know, next two decades of your career.
1: Yes. And also, I'm, and I say that I'm the one who was responsible for bringing SaaS to India. And I'm responsible for bringing analytics to India because there was nothing called analytics
0: prior to that. Hmm. So you, you were the founding members along with uh, Rohini, you said.
1: So I, I, I would call myself um, joking. I was the father of analytics in India.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then you went on to different projects while you were working in SaaS. So SaaS was a
1: very different ball game because there was no project. So I I was my own CEO. I was my own Chaprasi. I was my own Peon. And I was my own project manager because... I was the only one. So the idea was that I had to go to clients, get their data, build models, build, showcase the value, go and show them and win projects. And if I won projects, then there was something ahead. Otherwise, there was nothing. So unless you have a project, there's nothing. So for two years, I did that. I set up the uh, the uh, SaaS practice to a team of, from working from home, I had, a, so they, SaaS had given me a car, a printer, and a laptop. That was their all investment. Plus my salary. And that's how I started SaaS in India. And I used to go every morning to clients and speak to them, get their data. So two years down the line, I had a business of around about $20 million with a team of, I think, seven, eight, nine people. And SaaS was set up.
0: And, and you were operating out of Delhi or Mumbai? Delhi. Delhi itself, okay. That's good. good. Pretty, pretty good experience, Shalinda. And what kind of guidance? I mean, an making... accident. An accident. And did you get any kind of guidance or mentorship from Rohini or somebody else in the company, or you had to just Yeah, try, yeah. so Rohini and... was a great uh, mentor. She used to
1: say to me, I will call you at nine o'clock. If you are not doing your work, you are not doing your work. So you have to be in the car at nine o'clock in the morning to go to the client. And if you are not in front of the client, you are not doing your job. Best training, yeah. Best training. And, and she made me do that. And, and she would, without fail, call me at 9 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And and because it's coming on a mobile, you can't lie as well. Uh, so you have to be, she has to hear the car engine or a honk or something like that. And mm-hmm. that happened. And that actually changed a lot, many things. Because going forward, I made a point that if you're not in front
0: of the client, mm-hmm. you're not doing your job. Fantastic. You know, the biggest learning in business.
1: Absolutely. And I was always, always that I made a point. So even um, later down my life, my people go to the client, sit at client's office.
0: What was the next change for you after SAS?
1: Yeah, so in 1999, everyone was going overseas, so I was also looking for a job overseas. Gave a lot of interviews. I got a job in Singapore, in England, in Belgium, and US. There were SaaS projects around these places, so they wanted someone to go and do their projects. And so I got five jobs. You have to go to Singapore, UK, US, or
0: Belgium. Where would you go if if I were you at that time? I would have gone to US that yep. time. Now it could be different, but that time US. So uh, interesting, right? So
1: what I what happened to me was I said where to go now? Singapore I didn't like the smell, so I didn't like to go, I didn't want to go to Singapore. Mm. I'd gone for an interview and didn't like it, so that was out of question. Mm. US and UK and Belgium were left. So I asked my dad, is it kaha, sa? He said, "I don't know. It's your choice." So we went for a wedding. Now, this is life, right? So again, I say, uh, a lot of people think that you would take a decision. But sometimes, you better not to take a decision. Better off. So we met the, it was marriage of one of my dad's superior's sons at a show hotel. And we went there and we were standing there. So uncle, uh, his dad, the the groom's dad came in and he said, what are you doing these days, Sherry? Because they all knew that, you know, I do something different. I won't do the normal stuff. Who is DJing, anything. Mm. different things you do in life. Right? So he said, what are you doing these days? I said, uncle, there is a problem. I said, what is the problem? I said, uh, four places to pick from. I don't know where to go, but I want to go overseas. He said, what places? He said, US, UK, Belgium, uh, Singapore. He said, everyone goes to UK and US. And mm. no one goes to Belgium, because someone doesn't what Belgium is.
2: Hmm.
1: I'm talking 2000, right? So you, if you ask a common man, even today, where on map is Belgium, they won't be able to find hmm. And I know Shelley is a guy who does things differently. So I suggest you go to Belgium. Now there will be challenges. You won't know the language. You won't know people. US-UK will be very easy.
2: Hmm.
1: You will speak English, they will speak English. It will be easy. Hmm. But go to a place where you don't know anything. It will be a great experience. Hmm. I'm going to US. <laughs> I'm going to Belgium. So I got a job in Belgium for a company called Valoris and I landed in Belgium. That's how my job at Belgium started.
0: Good experience?
1: Great experience. Great place to live. I will die in Belgium. If you last me a to I'll take a plane to Brussels and die
0: there. Oh my God. It's an action item in my list now. Beautiful place. beautiful place and how about the uh, learning experience like your dad's friend uh, suggested go to a place where you need to stretch you need to learn you need to experience new things so did you had challenges language challenges or cultural
1: my first question was and the second was if you don't then thank you very much Wow. <laughs> yeah it was fun it was fun you No, know, but i started learning a bit because you had to at a point in time but i even still can't speak more than two lang- two sentences so what's now the was, uh,
0: what's the language they speak they speak french and um french and dutch french and dutch and what did you learn french or dutch french 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 okay and how dutch long did Spanish you work there how long did you work there uh one and a half years and looking back any different in the way we operate in india singapore uk us and now in australia was it any different? You remember anything worth highlighting as an insight? Uh, there are very different. way.
1: Uh, highlighting the hills. You know how much when you get a salary here in Australia, you get a salary for 12 months, right? Right there, you get for not 12 months.
0: Interesting. How long you, you? get a salary
1: for 13 and a half months.
0: And what's the rationale? Okay,
1: so you decide on a package. For example. What do you mean by decide on a package? So you're having a discussion, you decide on a package, right? Oh, okay. The package is, say, for example, 200000 dollars right? Yeah. So instead of dividing it by 12 and giving you the salary after taxes, they would divide it by 13 and a half. Because there are two sales, two big sales in the uh in, in Europe. One happens in July and one happens in during Christmas. So in July, you get one and a half months of salary, and in December, you get two months of salary. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> That's really interesting.
1: Very interesting fact. And, and then, so if you've got 200,000, your take-home will become accordingly lesser.
0: Lesser, yes. But because. you will get more paid more during December and uh, in July. Yeah, got it. Fantastic. Very nice. So, and when did you, when you came back from Belgium, again, you were in India for a while? No, no. I went on to, from Belgium, I went to England.
1: I lived in Reading and I was working for a company called Logica CMG. I worked there for a year and a half, and then I came back to India.
0: So all this time, you were building upon your knowledge of uh, the analytics space, right? So yeah, th- yeah. when you say analytics, were you working on data warehouse that time, or what was the starting point? Yeah. So in
1: those days, it was data warehouses. Yeah. While I was in, uh, U- uh, in UK, I realized that uh, Analytics is not data warehouses. Analytics is about understanding uh, what's happening in the business and solving problems. And so when I came to India, I started my own company, which was called Analyzing Technologies. And that's where the customer was the center of everything and created my own software and started selling it.
0: Tell me more about that. I couldn't really figure that out from your LinkedIn that you started your own company. Because when I came to Australia,
1: I subtly said that I was a senior consultant there. I didn't say that it was my company. Because I was, you know, there's a taboo when you come from a, when you write CEO and then you come back and work for a company here, it's like a kind of a, well, really fit. He's a got CEO. Would, so no, someone advised me
0: to no. take that away and just write senior consultant. That book. No, I know what you're saying. No, I'm happy uh, I'm talking to you and uh, got to understand this aspect of it. Uh, Which is my sweet spot. I like to hear that. So, what made you start the company, uh, Shalinder? That was 2002. So, the question is: uh, Yes, I know you were passionate about what you wanted to do. Yes, you wanted to change the way people were doing things. But that you could that you could do in a job as well. What made you start a company, and how was that experience of starting and setting up?
1: Because customer was
0: never talked about
1: in any of those large corporates. They were all talking about building data warehouses reporting and i was there to solve customer problems and that's what i was focusing on and right. so
0: i said yeah let me create my own software what is and uh, it? Did, you, did you you were a service company right or software company Software company. so i created a software which was a 16-bit software which could um, solve 100 million rows in blink of your eye Okay, let me ask you this again then. So you you come back, you decide to start a company because you had cash you could invest or? Yeah, I had uh, cash. So I I had cash, so two things helped. One was that conversion between the
1: English pound and uh, Indian 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 rupee, yeah, that helped. Uh, That helped, and Mm -hmm. then as I said, I always say to people that my dad here, I could only go up, I couldn't go down, right? So I I didn't have to bother about uh, my um, bread and butter. I was more worried about what I am delivering is in a value to the to myself and Carnegie problem mm. to Tina.
0: So how what about uh, I to invest? How about uh, acquiring first few customers? How did you go about that? That was very simple. How was that? I told you the best way to uh, go to to solve the
1: problem is to go to uh, the customer. Answer a question. And by then I had seen that a lot of my colleagues working at SR and all those companies had grown up as well because we were like now 10 years into the industry, right? You know, 10, 8 years in the industry. Mm. So I started calling all of them and said, ke paas data hai toh de do. I will solve, I will do something for you and show you the value. If you like it, good. If there is no value, there is no conversation, which I stick to even today. Mm. If there is no value, there is no conversation. That is the mantra. So people started giving us data. We took the data and, and I also said, this data, SAS ko bhi to do." Give it to SaaS, give it to business objects, give it to Cognos mm. and ask them to come back. Whosoever comes back first, shows you value, wins the deal. Mm. Simple. And I knew working on large corporates that they will take two months just to decide who's going to work on it. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be back in a week's time. Mm. So who will win? It's a no-brainer.
0: So who was your first customer, by the way?
1: My first customer was Touchtell. I don't know whether you remember them. I really remember the name. Yeah, yeah, so that was the telecom. Um, that was the landline.
0: Private landline for one of the first yeah, private after
1: landline. MTNL uh, created, they created the landline, which was on the um, CDM model.
2: Mm, 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 mm.
1: And, and uh, so Tustel was the first point, which then became Aretel, JK Bank, ICICI Bank, it was like all over the place. So you
0: built a team as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was like very good uh, thing. You have data for us. You have data for
0: And how long did you run the company? That went until 2005 when I arrived in Australia. So, about five years? Run, three years. Three years, okay. Any no. any insight from running a company, starting, running, no, no,
1: there are two different worlds today. Today is, you know, you get startup funding and all that stuff. I didn't have any funding. Mm. I was working to grow organically. Mm. And we grew organically. The company, when we shut down, had good money. Had good money. Mm. We delivered a lot of value.
0: Any challenge in uh, early stage or growth stage or any stage of your three years of... A lot anything? of
1: frustration. You When you're used to doing things quite quickly, a lot of frustration, but that's all.
0: Frustration in what sense? The movement was not fast enough. Yeah, for the, for movement summer. was
1: slow. People wouldn't give you... Um, time to meet one thing I would say uh, and I loved it, it my skin color agar kuch aur hoda, to, um, uh, the general managers of companies would open doors yeah which is India I'm not talking anywhere else yeah I understand. Uh, whereas I would have to wait for three months to get just to the uh,
0: EA and get an appointment mm. so there were challenges. Not... That was a learning as well, right? How to yeah. get through some of those things. So you were the only one uh, reaching out to customer or you built a sales team as well? No, no, we had a sales team. We built a
1: sales team. We had a delivery team. We had a development team. So there were like three teams.
0: So everything you did by uh, yourself or did you get any kind of guidance from other entrepreneurs? Guidance needed. Guidance neither. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, see, the reason I asked this question is uh, no, no, no,
1: the, the, and there is a point there to your answer to ask you to, to answer your question. Guidance is leni lena. Then you're thinking on the, the if you're given a guidance, then you are working on his plan or someone else's idea.
0: Okay, so maybe I'll rephrase the word guidance. So when you talked about uh, Rohini, uh, I I imagine Rohini as a pretty strong uh, mentor for you. Yeah, and she took extra responsibility uh, to groom you. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to call at nine o'clock every day. Yep, right. And I, I, I really admire those people who have created impact in others' lives.
1: And there she didn't have many. to,
0: there, there are many more. I'll, I'll come to them. There are many more. This is... yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, those are things. And the reason when I asked, Did you see guidance was not like how to do this, it's about having a mentor. When you are having trouble in business and don't know what to do, you just, just use them as sounding board rather than. No, I don't. So, I, this is how I work. Okay.
1: Um, these mentors who actually did that made me do this stuff. I would go in and think, mm. Because mm. I
2: don't
1: have access to Rohini now because up until this time, I'm only exposed to Rohini, maybe Patrick Anderson, and the. Uh, in, in Valerius, who actually guided me. So mm-hmm. I would say, if these guys were doing this, same mm-hmm. problem. Ah, everyone has the problem. So how would they solve the problem? So that way is, I would use my grey cells to mm-hmm. actually solve the problem.
0: Awesome. Considering what they would do. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah, that's the best way. You know, I like it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. So any anything else you want to talk about the business insight that you had before I come to Australia now? <laughs> no, I think that was good. It, it, it got a good learning and everyone was very um, excited. Fantastic. And then uh, you closed off and what made you come to Australia?
1: Because my wife was an Australian citizen. So I got the spouse visa and I was here.
0: Fantastic. And how was uh, finding the first job like?
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, I came in um, December and no one gives any jobs to anyone in December. True, very true right so december and january was without a job i looked at all the companies who've got data and i applied i looked at sas institute and said well once a sas guy always a sas guy whom we'll so let's call sas so that happened one thing i knew was when i came to australia someone told me okay, you know what check out chick wala job bahut
0: check out check what is that you know you, uh,
1: check out at the counter Coles.
0: oh okay Coles bull was uh, uh, customer service yeah okay yeah.
1: Everyone starts from there. Mm.
0: So now that you've
1: come in, please go start from there. Mm. Did you do that? Every Indian told me mm. that. Mm. That's the best way to start. Not mm. knowing who I am, where I come from, what I do, mm. nothing.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. Check out, check wala job karne. That's mm. the work. Mm. So I said, yeah, I yeah. Do they know who I am? Mm. And mm. in my mind, I would laugh at them. Mm. Uh, and But then uh, there was a scare as well. karna <laughs> Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what happened I uh, started applying for these jobs. And even who had got data, I will apply for them. And SAS Institute, I applied. SAS, I got, what do you say? I got a lot of references from UK, US, India, Singapore. So I was pretty sure that SAS ka job I will get the SAS job. Mm-hmm. Then I got the interview. So I got one interview, two interviews, three interviews, four interviews. The fifth interview was with the marketing director. And I was standing outside SAS. On 300 Burns Bay, and I got a call. And I got a call from this company saying, "We're calling from Office Books, and you've applied. Would you be interested in an interview? We would like to interview you. You've given five interviews at a company you wanted to go to. You know that now. If I start doing everything, it will take another one month. What do you do?" I said, "Excuse me, this is breach of privacy. I've never applied at your company. Please keep the phone down and never ever call me again." I do that, and she said by the way, you applied, I'll send you an email, and if you still think that you want to come for an interview, please do. She was, thanks to that lady, she held up, and she said, okay. She kept the phone down. I came back home, and I told my wife, what tha? Office phone? kya Officeworks? Hai? So she turned <laughs> and she said, I don't know. I said, okay, let's look up. So we looked up, Office works was a Coles company. So I said, oh yeah, Kohl's to apply here. So, now I'm stuck. So I said, what do I do? So my wife said, There's no harm in giving an interview. I said, okay, fine. So I wrote to them and said, well, okay, I'll do you a favor. (laughs) Because you've already given five interviews, you know that you're going to get that job.
2: Mm -hmm. It was
1: the final job with the marketing director. Mm -hmm. So they sent me a note saying, okay, fine. 8th of February, 2006. You have to come to Loyalty Road, North Rocks at 5.30 PM. Mm. I asked my wife, where is North Rocks? She said, Rocks is in the city. (laughs) <laughs> North Rocks should be North Rocks. Uh, no. Perfect. All set up. So, I was living in Croydon. I said, okay, fine. Let me take a train and go to city, uh, And then I'll walk to North Rocks. So this was 5.30 the interview. At 2 o'clock, something occurred to me. I said, well, let me check on the uh, 131500 site to see where is the train. So I put in North Rocks and the train uh, and, and Croydon. And I see that I have to take a train to Strathfield, then to Parramatta, then to... I said, where am I going? It's a two-hour journey from coordina to North Rocks by by public transport. Wrong place. <laughs> I take that thing and just quickly rush up and went off. I reach... I had to take a bus number 625 from Parramatta. I don't know where that bus is. So I get out of the train station and I don't know where to go. Now, this is... I, I always say that there are accident right? Mm-hmm. So this is what happened. I got down. I got down and I got out of the train station. And that's where I met. Um, and I was looking for a way to find 625. So I asked this guy walking on the street and I said, do you know where is 625 I can catch? He said, come with me, I'll show you." So he took me to Church Street and he was going to a gym. So he started, he was an Indian. He started asking me, where are you from? What do you do? I said, what are you, where are you doing?" I said, well, I'm going for an interview. Uh, but I don't want this job because, you know, I already have SAS and five interviews are done and all that stuff. He said, don't worry, you'll get this job. I said, but I don't want this job. He said, don't worry, you'll get this job. So I always say that someone shows you the direction. This was the guy. I don't know who he is. I don't know where. I never met him again. I don't even remember his face. But he told me that you'll get this job. So I get to 625, reach Royalty Road. This lady brings me in from the back door in a big warehouse. And she takes me in and she says, okay, let's do the interview. So she starts talking to me. And I didn't want that job. So after 10 minutes and I took my jacket off and at 10 minutes later, I said, you don't know what you're doing. Let me show you what you need to do. So I took the whiteboard and the whiteboard drew what their strategy should be. I did do the whole strategy on analytics for them. Mm. And I tell them that you're wasting your time by hiring a an analytics lead because you don't even know what an analytics lead should do. Mm. and I came out she said great to meet you i have two more interviews and i'll give you a call in a couple of days that was 6th of february 2008 come 8th of february 2008 at 4 30 or 5 o'clock in the evening i get a call hi this is maureen speaking and i was expecting a call from sas and i said who's the... oh okay and you were expecting my call weren't you i said not really i was expecting a call but from someone else so she says i i told you that you were quite good and I was looking for, a, you know, to invite you for the second interview. But I think we've made a decision and we're not inviting you for a second interview. But before I go ahead, let me check with you. This job requires a lot of travel to Melbourne. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, that's fine. I have traveled the world. Melbourne is where? So <laughs> she said, okay, fine. How much do you think, how much money do you think you would be interested in? And I'm on record telling you this. Mm. And I didn't want that job. So I said, get me the highest ceiling on the world. So Seriously? everyone was telling me 30,000 is a good good amount in Australia because I didn't know. I said ka 30, ka 30, 30, 100,000. Mm, mm. So I turn around and ask her 100,000. She says, okay, come sign the contract on Monday.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> I said, what? I don't want this job. So I keep the phone and I've just got a 100,000 job. I think over the weekend and I tell my wife, if I sign the contract on Monday and if on Tuesday, SAS comes to me. How will I tell them that I don't want this job? What will happen? I don't know the legalities here. I don't want to get into trouble. What do I do? Let's wait. Let's see. So Monday, I call her up again. Maureen. I said, Maureen, I've heard there is something called superannuation here. Hmm. Is that included or not? She said, that's included in 100,000. I said, I don't want this job. <laughs> um, it should be excluded. <laughs> she said, okay. I said, what? I said, what? Anyways, rest is history. That brought me to analytics in retail. And I never got I never heard from SaaS even till today. And though I've signed around about $30 million worth of contracts for SaaS, but I never worked for SaaS thereafter.
0: That was the change. When you say signed $30 million worth when you were working in I the I bought SaaS
1: more than $30 million in my life.
0: Back in India, when you were working for them, or oh, yeah, in Australia. Oh, yeah. So you're working for different companies and you brought SaaS software in the organization, and that's where you helped them with $30 million. Okay, I get that. Fantastic. So, a couple of questions here. See, so these are the things that I look at uh, uh, the way people have grown. First of all, I don't believe in self made millionaire or self made uh, person. Grooming happens in the society, in the environment. And you know you you talked about in early days of your impressions. I really like the way you've done things. And of course, there again, there is an environmental factor where you had that personality to go out and do things on your own and attempt things. A lot of professional with 10, 15 years of experience also have this restriction in mind, like, oh, I've been always doing a technical job. Will I be able to do sales job? I've always been doing this kind of work. Will I be able to do that kind of work? Now, when I look at your profile, of course, you have changed a lot of different things. And even in here, you worked with Officeworks, then I think you worked with Woolies, and then you jumped into Accenture, and I think that was a pure sales and account management kind of job. Is that is yes. sales and delivery both. Sales and delivery both. Without going into the, the, the technology part of it, which now you're like proving that you hold a strong uh, authority in analytics space and over a period of time you built it and got in there by accident but you loved it and you kept growing on that so you worked in office works you did quite a good job you worked in Woolworths and then how did you get in Accenture and uh, I look at like just five years in the country and uh, you're into a senior leadership kind of role MD is a pretty senior uh, role in uh, Accenture how did that happen? So
1: it was funny because I was working at Woolies and I was the chief analytics officer for Woolies. So it was a pretty senior role even then. and oh, okay. And, and, and that was because I usually say nothing succeeds like success. If you are very passionate about what you do, things happen. Hmm. So I was running around about $20, $250 million worth of incremental revenue for Woolies. Oh, okay. So So it didn't happen just because, uh, you know, I've decided, but i worked on those.
0: Right, right. There. So the Woolies credentials helped you there. Okay. Wooly's
1: credential helped uh, exp- and uh, of course Cole's credentials helped Cole's also, also you did uh, uh, yeah. it all helped and uh, but Wooly's also was a not an easy thing to do because when I joined Woolies, uh, it is funny that the night before I was called by my boss Richard Umbers who's again I'm, I'm talking about mentors so Richard Umbers was the who's who was who left as uh, the CEO of Myers quite recently hmm. he hired me and he called me a day before I was joining saying Shelly, so if you're thinking that you will have a software, SaaS, and whatever, don't join tomorrow because we don't have anything.
0: You're talking about Woolies joining. I'm still saying Woolies, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I joined
1: Woolies, I had to set it up. The problem with Woolies was that Woolies had written off $2 million a year before on SaaS. Hmm. So they were not interested in SaaS. So now the question comes in if you get into a situation where you were joining a company to do a certain thing and that has been tabooed and that has been not liked by the entire leadership. Mm. How do you turn them around? Because you only know SaaS, right? Mm, mm, mm. So now you come to a company where you have to, you like to do SaaS, but you don't have SaaS and no one wants it either because they've lost $2 million off of that. That is where people, uh, your grit comes into play and you put your, you say, I will do this and I will take all my risk to make sure that I deliver value.
0: Is that exactly how you spoke? Yeah, this is exactly. And this is on
1: record. Dan Beacham, the CIO of Woolies, said categorically that I'm not interested in SaaS and whatever this guy Shilindra is doing is his problem. I'm not even going to get my people in the team. Okay. (laughs) You have to create your own team. It's your problem. I Mm -hmm. will make sure that the lights are on. That's all I will know. This is on record. And I got that, I got the team, I got things, I made money to the extent that SaaS
0: was there for 10 years. Oh, you okay. In spite of everything, you brought SaaS, SaaS in in Woolies. Ah, okay. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah, not many people would even think, well, people at Woolies would, when they hear this conversation, they would say, yeah, I remember, $2 million they lost because uh, SaaS promised them
0: something and they didn't deliver Hmm. Mm, so mm. why would I buy SAS again? A Year ago
1: I lost two million dollars. Why would I invest another three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on SAS again?
0: So you were already told before you joined that that's not going to happen. So what did you do once you got in? How did you get the buy-in no, to say? Because I wasn't, and then SAS effed up as well. Because
1: I did the RFP and then I did the RFP. SPSS and SAS were competing, and SPSS did a better job in presenting than SAS. So now, when I had twenty-five people to write on who's going to what we should buy, twenty-four said SAS, uh, SPSS, and one guy, me, who was actually using the top, the technology, said SAS. So that is when I said, "No, this is going to be SAS. I'm going against everyone."
0: And how did uh, uh, you make it work? Because if twenty-four are not really agreeing on work. that,
1: you, you then again, nothing succeeds like success. You start delivering value and people will start loving you. And that's how it changed. This is history and there are lots of uh, nuances. And I've written most of that in my book as well because I was doing something very cutting-edge work at the time.
0: Okay, So Then
1: I came to Accenture. For Accenture, analytics was data warehouses. And I joined Accenture. And three months later, I didn't have a job because I didn't do data warehouses. What do I do? I do analytics. And Accenture didn't even know what analytics was in my view. So there was a mismatch.
0: You're talking talking about 2015, yeah? No. This is 2011. 2011, okay. So when I joined
1: Accenture, I didn't have a job after two, three months. And that's when I said to the leadership that you don't know what is analytics. Let me tell you what it is. Richard Umbers had taught me that it's mostly about theater. It's how you perform on the stage is what is important. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the leadership, I took my resignation along with me. Well, uh, we are all Bollywood buff, right? So I mm. <laughs> took my resignation on the table mm. and I said, this is my resignation. I don't think you know what is analytics. Give me six months. I'll turn it around. If I can, fine. Otherwise, you can accept the resignation. Here it is. No one had anything to lose. I was resigning, right? So <laughs> what can you tell me? Not to resign? No. Mm. They took the paper. I came back and I went to all the CEOs, um, C- CIOs, CTOs and said, Give me the data, I'll show you value. That worked perfectly. I'd done that uh, 15 years ago. I started doing it again.
2: Mm, mm, mm.
1: And suddenly I had a business. And that became the business model for Exchange globally Mm. in three years.
0: So you're running your own business. Three years of that experience was really helpful here. You didn't have any reservation about what will I do talking to the customer and all because a lot of tech professionals have this reservation of how would I go to go and talk to business You know they're kind of limited to just the tech leadership and there's an interface of people who go and talk to business. But business are more,
1: <clears throat> to my, to my, what do you say, to my benefit, I didn't know much about technology, so I was more comfortable talking to business. What do you mean when you say, I didn't know much about technology? I don't know anything about technology. There are technological geeks who know much more to what I know. I know
0: nothing. Seriously, I'm kind of baffled now because you, you know, early days of your analytics career, working in Belgium and UK and then setting up business in India all through. I thought you were the hands-on guy who knows how to do it. I'm still hands-on. But there are people who can do far better than me, I'm not cut to do coding.
1: I never like coding. I, I had to do coding because I was stuck in there. I could talk much more about business to people and that was very, very
0: helpful. So where does that uh, change? So you started as a programmer, right? So you were a techie. Belgium, you were a techie. UK, you were a techie. You come yeah. back to India, you're still a techie, but you start a business. Now you started to think, What what was that turning point where you became from techie to a business guy who's... Thinking uh, business and then using technology. I, I think talk. I was always
1: a business guy because I always thought how business works. I was never, uh, technology was basically someone hitting
0: me to say, hey, kar." So it, that's a very good insight, Shalendra. I think it should be for each one of us who work in technology world. We, If we feel technology is my thing, rather than solving business problem is my thing, I, I think chances are I'll be stuck in that technology for a long Th- time. That's
1: what I do. Because my problem in my mind was that I am a customer. So people ask, so even analytics, I take it a very different way. When people ask me, oh, you are a retail guy, you've worked in retail for eight years. I said, no, look at my point of view. Every industry is the same. And I'll tell you how. Retail has a customer. He's got item in, uh, he's got a basket, an item in basket. So a customer makes some transactions. Telco, Telco is a customer. He makes some phone calls, and there is the way the phone calls are made. Mm. So
2: There's
1: a customer transaction. Yeah. Bank. Bank has a customer. A customer has a transaction, whether he's deposit money or he takes money out, whether he makes a phone call, whatever. Insurance. Mm-hmm. There is a customer who pays premium. That's a transaction. So everything is the same. Where is the difference? As long as you understand that in your mind,
0: everything should work. Mm, very true. I completely agree with you. And I like that. People the... don't think
1: that way. They are more. Worried about how to code, likne, isko mm. which is important, I know. But you need to think the other way around.
0: Definitely. No, I got that. Fantastic. So and I'm keen to understand this last stage of your life for the last five years where you wrote books and keynote speaking and presentation and most... Yeah, again, most, again an accident.
1: I left Accenture. I was in my comfort zone. Everyone loved me. How long and did you work there? Four and a half years. Okay. And then IBM reached out and said, well, would you like to look at Asia? I said, yeah, fine. Let's look at Asia. Now, it's like a career growth. Now you're looking after Asia. And the problem then came in was that um, after a year, I realized I'm not cut for IBM.
0: Well, why do you say so?
1: Because in Accenture, I was doing sales and delivery. In IBM, it was only sales and no delivery. And in the kind of work I do, it, I can promise the word to the customer I'll, as long as it is delivered. But if it is not delivered, there is no point. So I was not delivering, I don't know what I was promising and was never getting delivered. So we looked at, it's not working out, thank you very much, we parted ways uh, in a year's time. So in a year, one year later, I was not working for IBM. And so now accidentally, I'm now without a job, and at a very senior level, and jobs don't come tomorrow. And it was October, and uh, no one hires in November, December, January. Mm. So you don't have a job. So what do you do? So I called one of my uh, senior managers. If he's watching, he would laugh. And I said, yeah, no, he's an English guy. Mm. Uh,
2: and
1: uh, he said, yeah, Shelly, we do a lot of work with a uh, lot of companies who, who look for chief analytics officers. He was from Accenture. So it's like, we will build them. And we'll pay you and everyone is happy. I said, fine. Mm. That was at the Bellavista Hotel here uh, we were having that discussion, 15th or 17th September, whatever that weekend was on a Friday, 2016. And uh, he said, fine. And I was very happy. Yeah, I'll get the job. After five drinks, six drinks, he said, you always wanted to write a book. You said that you, you, you've you done some great work. It should be documented, isn't it? I said, yeah, And in that drinking session, I promised him that I'll write a book. <laughs> and I wake up in the morning, next morning, he said, what do you promise me, bhai?" So I called him, I said, well, are you getting me a job? He said, no, I'm not getting you a job. You're writing a book. So that led to writing a book. So he didn't get me the job. And I went on to write this book called Making Money Out of Data, which is a collection of all the projects that I've done uh, in my life and uh, how people use data to make money. So that was a good change. And suddenly I'm a best-selling author by (laughs) June 2017. So how long did it take to put it together, Shah? Six months. 1st November to 31st of May. It was published on
0: 30th of May, I think. So if you have to summarize that journey of writing book, what would be your key takeaways as a as an insight that you can share with me? It is very detailed.
1: <laughs> it is very time-consuming. And if you start writing a book, then I suggest that be very focused because otherwise you'll never finish it. So yes. that book was published on 30th of May. And by 15th of June, it was a bestseller on Amazon. And then at the same time, SAP invited me to look at doing public speaking and stuff. And that's how I landed up there. Again, another accident.
0: Mm, Interesting. So how does the book become a bestseller? What's the criteria? Number of people buying it? Number of people giving feedback? Or how does that become? bestseller? All of it.
1: It's all of it. So how much much do you sell? How many people like? How many times people view the book? Not involved. even if they don't buy, how many times do they come, how much traffic it generates for Amazon.
0: I see. So is there any promotion needs to be done or it happens organically? I didn't do any promotion. I wasn't, I
1: wasn't the idea I mean, was to no document job, it, right? Document it, okay. The idea wasn't to, so these are things that, as I said, things happened, accident happened and I landed up doing what I was doing now.
0: So, when you picked up a job in SAS, that was a tech evangelist role, is it? SAP. So... Sorry. Uh, yeah, SAP. It, yeah, so, what that I say, yeah. was... They wanted to use... So, I
1: built a brand by then, because people knew me in the industry. I was a managing director, at Accenture, IBM, Bullies, Coles, and all that. By then, I was a... Uh, I was pretty known in the industry. And so uh, SAP said that they're launching Leonardo. They wanted someone to talk about emerging technologies. And I fit the bill. Worked out very well. And so I was public speaking now. So now, you know, that experience of doing DJing came into help. Mm, Interesting. Now you're talking to 200, 2000 people in front of you. And so all
0: of that joins together. That's very interesting, man. So, and you did a lot of, so now the COVID came and a lot of speaking became online. So you did a lot of online speaking and that's how I came to know. I saw you on LinkedIn. Every week I see you speaking somewhere. So these days you talk about machine learning and AI primarily, is it? Yep. Okay. And uh, you do a lot of your own uh, videos as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm more content, I'm generating more content on video than writing stuff. Okay. I've
1: stopped writing articles. I used to write a lot of articles
0: what's the um, rational what's your objective when you say i'm writing article or i'm creating video what's the objective
1: objective is in my view when you do a video it's more personalized people know hearing from my mouth and you know listening to what i'm saying i'm not faking it article any you know people have a notion and i know that for lot lots of corporate guys who don't have time they get someone else to write the article and they just name it
0: ghost writing yeah
1: yeah it could be ghost but, but you can't do that am, on video. I am talking, right? So I couldn't ghost myself.
0: So you run this Shali show, uh, which has a YouTube channel, and how long have you been running that, Shali?
1: This is now three years, two three years,
0: three years. And again, what's the long-term thinking behind creating these videos? No long-term thinking, right? I don't so think, like. No, lot, I don't, like doing that. I I like doing something.
1: I do it. And just next thing would be that someone will come and say. Shelly, let's do this,
0: and, you know, this will add to that. So was it an intentional (coughs) view of creating, a part of creating a brand? No, it was not intentional. It was just that, you know, tell you And while you were doing public speaking with SAP, that kind of complemented. Anyway, I was doing those things. I could do the video. Okay. So you have done another round of a different thing. What's the next for you? I I really don't
1: know. So see... If someone asked me,
0: in fact, the reality is when I was in India in, in
1: 1999, I used to tell people not to go overseas and work in India and make it happen in India. And I didn't realize that I was going to India, uh, going overseas in in just less than six months. So I don't know. I can claim anything, but you know, I won't be able to, uh, don't make me accountable because I'm not controlling anything.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Who, no i'll watch out for your uh, next move and uh, uh who would have ever known that i'll write a book in
1: 2000 in 1991 no not at
0: all it's it's very interesting now a couple of questions i'm pretty sure you are very proud of what you have done in your career and the impact that you have created with your knowledge and the deliverables you have created at office works and bullies and what you did at uh, accenture and now what you have done at sap if you could look back and give some advice to our community professional you know i'm talking about people who've been in the industry for 10 years 15 years kind of stuck i mean see everybody has a desire and you also have a community you may be talking to them some of them are like ya, thikha, this is all it is some of them yeah i want to do more but i don't know." I don't know how to move out of it. So if you look at all these mid-career professionals, the senior business analysts, project managers, solution designers and all, they've been doing the same thing for at least five years. I'm stuck. If you were one of them, how would you get out of that? And how would you shape up your career? I know you say everything happened on its own, but if you had to advise a mid-career professional. So see,
1: who it. am I to advise, first of all, but still, Suggest? Whatever it is worth, yeah, sure, I, <laughs> sure. So, for one thing is there are two kind of people one are very comfortable in what they're doing and they're very fine with that they think they're meant to do that and that's perfectly fine that's one the second kind of people who, who want to be doing something that they're struggling they're thinking hey, yeah so to them my advice is that get out of your comfort zone and I do that I don't get out of the comfort zone if I do someone puts me out of the comfort zone so, okay. every time I get into a comfort zone, mm-hmm. I get kicked. Get kicked, yeah. Yeah? Out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Out of the comfort zone. So, if I don't do it, someone else will do it. For example, I was very much comfortable doing Accenture and I would do that for next 50 years. Mm-hmm. Nearly. But I was in the comfort zone. I was in comfort zone. In doing, I was working in UK. I was in a comfort zone. I was in the 9-11. But that was because who I am, maybe my my destiny is different to others. Mm. And if I don't get out of the comfort zone someone else will make it happen for me will mm. kick me out.
2: Mm. I suggest
1: to people get out of your comfort zone and see what you want to do, find a path to that define it and write, write it and de- define it, write it and then it'll happen.
0: Why do you say define and
1: write it? Because when you write. They say,
0: ओम ओम,
1: yeah. Exactly that works. So you believe in that? You practice that? I don't practice, but I know that happens. I promise myself or just <laughs> I promise myself that I'll not go overseas.
0: So another, can... another uh insight from you here, Shalendra, on this. So there are two ways to build career in IT. One is you become uh, deep in one area like you became uh, starting into data warehousing you become an analytics and you went deep in analytics and you solved so many problems it became second in nature for you Um, a lot of people who are not really deep in one technology say people who are like analysts business analysts or project managers they're not really deep in one technology how can they really grow in their career for them it's like one business analysts are deep in business they're not just looking at it so, how do they become the next version from business analysts? How do they really create more impact? See, again, even the characteristic of an individual is important in what they're doing as well. Mm.
1: So, for example, you are doing Python and you're writing Python code all the time, right? Mm. And then you need to be thinking outside of the box how I can make the next thing happen. Most of the people are so getting comfortable in writing Python and they say, with the moment you say mein kya kar sakta
0: hon, ho so if I look at the kind of a looking at a light at the end of the tunnel, the light has to be from whom do I serve and what can I do to serve them better. If that is the question, yeah. will that create that opening, whatever role I'm in? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Because that's that's exactly what I understood from you. You always went to the customer said, data hai. Give me the data, I'll create something out of it. And you always, uh, everything has started for you from the customer side. Rather than you sitting and thinking, what next Next big thing I want to do? It didn't happen that way. You always were with the customer, you saw the problem, you had some skills, and then you brought in the right people and solved the problem. How about the developing the leadership part of it, Shalendra? You also started as a one-man person, as a DJ one-man, coding one-man. Uh, But you scaled up, you delivered large, large... I was was very lucky
1: to have a lot of good leaders supporting me. And I will now name them. Roini Midhat as a start. In fact, you know, I I love her. She is general manager uh, these days, general manager for museum, Victorian museum. Then um, Richard Umbers, never missed that. He gave me full flexibility to do what I wanted to do. I remember Richard would walk around the corridors talking about what I'm doing and he hasn't spoken to me for three months. And he will tell people, wow. Sandra is doing something like that. So he's a great visionary. He thinks very differently. Wow. Many, not many people are like him. He would he would speak on my behalf. I not knowing that I'm doing this, he would know that I'm Wow.
0: That's How extraordinary.
1: It was like minds working together at some point in time. Okay,
0: That's extraordinary.
1: Marek I can't finish without saying his name because he was the guy I joined Accenture and I said, this is a great classic example, right? Uh, we had to write, this was my, I think first month. And, um, he said, Ke, koi, uh, project tha uske liye pricing karna tha. so he wanted me to write a deck for that. So how would you are writing in writing slides? You come from, you're the chief analyst officer at Woolies. You've come out I'm pretty good at writing slides. No problems. So he said, Yes, slide ke so I did that. Um first of all, I didn't do anything till it was a meeting on Monday uh, on uh, Tuesday morning and I didn't do anything till Monday evening. So he asked me again, Likha. I said, I will write it, no problem. Slides hai. How difficult can that be? I know how to write slides. Next morning I woke up, I got to the office. The meeting was at I think 1.30 or something. I didn't do anything till 11. At 11 o'clock, he came to me and he said, Shelly, sit down, write the slides. How far are you? I said, hey, three or four slides and all we want, right? I'll write it. I wrote four slides. He told them, put it in the bin, cancelled the meeting, and he said, from now on, you only write slides. And up until I'm fine, you're not you're writing slides. He changed my life.
0: What exactly did you do after that?
1: Well, I had to write slides in a way I had to train myself on writing slides. I didn't know how to write slides. I tell you, 99% of India doesn't know how to write slides. 99.999% of India doesn't know how to write slides. But you ask anyone, they know really well how to write slides. Like me, I did the same. But slide writing is an art. It's a craft. It takes even one line. The second line, if this is by a 1.01 centimeter out, not aligned, there is a problem. Seriously? Oh, there is a problem. Yes, my slides now I can't say that. But um, you look at my slides. Well, in fact, we went to the situation when I used to get work done in India, and I used to tell people, "Don't bother writing slides; just send me the content, I'll write it myself."
0: So, where can we get more information on that art and the the techniques of? Oh, the there are internet? lots of trainings
1: that you need to do. Hame Slides ka in Indians in the India context is to put some information on a PowerPoint and
0: share. See now I'll give you a few things that I know very quickly. I know we have taken a lot of time, but it's very interesting. So when I I work with mostly Indian bosses, but happened happen to work with one Australian boss here in Australia. And, uh, the first, uh, work that I did, a work statement of work that he reviewed, he said, do control, find control F. So I did control F. I said, check how many times your company, which is our company we were working for. So I said, uh, 17 or whatever number came. And then said, okay, do control F again. Now do the customer name, how many times it comes? So it comes nine times. So whose number is more? I said my own company. And whose number Should be more. I said the customer my eye opener. These are little
1: things, but the way you need to write your deck is is an
0: art. So on you the know. deck, I'll share with you one thing I learned and you can tell me whether I'll write no, 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 it's an art. I can... I'll tell you one thing I want to share with you and tell me if it's the right thinking. My first page, we are this, he tore it. No. He said, why are you talking about we are this? Put on the f- top left the problem that you're solving for the customer. Yes. That's where you So start. the first page is what you are trying to do? Why are you trying to do? And what are you going to achieve? That's
1: what is it. the benefit?
0: Okay. That's so, it. directionally, I'm correct. know, uh, I would like to get a bit more information from you. No, but the- even
1: people don't know how to write that as well. Because a problem is what you're writing, what words you're writing, what content it is. It's a huge exercise. And then, how do you peel that going forward? I, I can't explain to you on this particular... Any, uh, any
0: any book or anything that could summarize the thought process that you learned there
1: uh, I don't have anything of the mind but it was all on on on, on the job on the job right <laughs> but but i'm I'm lucky to have Marek Rychinsky. right he changed my life.
0: Okay, someday I'll try to get that information from you in some form. And uh, uh taken a lot of time from you, Shelly. I really appreciate uh, what you shared. Not the journey that I cover on this podcast, you know, make it fun and easy and all, but there's so much of, so much of message uh, today. You talked about people who don't have a deep, like you've worked in analytics for 20 years and you say, oh, that's not really a problem. Even if you're a project manager, you can expand your career. Business-wise, It's about getting outside the comfort zone and how important it would be to reach out to people and try doing a lot of informal interviews with people who are ahead in the career to see what really aligns best with them. How important that would be because most of us have not done. We we thought just working hard alone uh, would be a good uh, career success strategy, but that doesn't seem to be. You need to talk to a lot of people and
1: showcase your value, what you bring to the table. One thing I always ask, and I've been asking this, when you're working in a particular job, start asking a question after one year of working there, mm. that if I don't come to office tomorrow, mm. what will really. be the biggest impact problem to the organization? And if you don't have an answer to that, they will fire you or you're not required. Yeah. And I do that all the time. I, I told all my people, can you just write on a piece of paper? Then if I don't ad- arrive tomorrow morning, mm. What will happen to the organization? And if there is no
0: impact, then, then you are not in job, yeah. You're not having a good time. And for making that transition to work, which you can really create impact, which aligns with your strengths and all, you've got to talk to a lot of people. Isn't it? That's, that's, right. that's good. In the next phase, which you are working out on, is there anything you want to call out so people who have similar interest can join hands with you? No, no, no! I'm more than happy to help anyone. I don't. Eh, one thing that is, I think, helped a lot
1: is I don't say no. So if someone says that I want this help, I, go and help it. What? What's the point? Right? What's the problem? I will. Perfect. So, and, uh, if you've got any questions around AI, machine learning, you want to understand something, pick up the phone, give me a call. I'm always there.
0: And I would highly recommend uh, people to, and I need to read your book as well. Plus, you have a lot of uh, knowledge you have shared on YouTube. Uh, you have a blog as well. And all this information can be uh, routed through your LinkedIn profile, right? You have everything on, yeah. on, on LinkedIn. It's all there.
1: There are lots of videos which I write, which I've done solo and interviews. A lot of senior leaders are on the YouTube channel. You can watch them, learn from them. There's a lot of information that is available.
0: That's perfect. So thank you very much, uh, Shelly, for your time. Uh, last question from my side is you came on this conversation and I'm very, very grateful for it. Did you have anything in mind like, you uh, know, Hassan should be asking, I understand the purpose and he should be asking this question, which I missed to ask. No. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't come from me. All right, thanks a lot, uh, Shelly. And best of luck in your next endeavor, man. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast with your host Ehsan Ali. I got tons of value from Shalendra's story. Uh, he is a master storyteller. His stories were funny and also full of learnings. My key takeaway is do not sit in a comfort zone for long. And I really liked his question that he advises everybody to ask, which is, uh, if you do not come to work for a week, what impact will it have on the business? If the answer is not much and someone else can do my work, it's time to wake up. He also mentioned that uh, figure out what you really like and build a career around it. Yes, the episode uh, went a bit longer but rather than trying to edit it short, I decided to publish it as it is because uh, Shalendra has shared so much of value through his journey. Hope you felt the same and uh, do share your feedback on Apple Podcast or on LinkedIn post or just send me a direct message. Alright, bye for now.